0: to Game Set Match Up, the podcast where we talk everything partnerships, the good, the bad and the ugly.
1: Welcome to Game Set Match Up, the podcast where we discuss all things partnerships. I'm your host, Greg Watts, and I'm joined by my co-host, Carl Busby. Please welcome our guest today, Joe Maruzzi, founder and CEO of Please Cakes, a rapidly growing UK-based household name, literally transforming the cheesecake category.
0: Joe, hello, welcome. Hello, how's it
1: going? It's going very well. It's it's a Friday, although, as I told you earlier, a bit chilly, but apart from that, nothing, nothing a hoodie can't fix and nothing a martini can't sort out uh, even even more, <laughs> more, more later. But no, but, but how is everything with you?
0: Really good. You know, we're really busy this, and there's lots going on in the world of please cakes. So we've got sort of our head down, focused. We've got a busy year this year and probably a busier year next year, so... Yeah, all systems go.
1: I mean, you are doing incredible things. But before we before we dive into it, can I maybe we can start with a, a, an introduction? Perhaps you can tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are, your background, and perhaps a little bit more about please cakes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So on my journey I started sort of professionally or, or, or my working career when I left school at sixteen. So I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had no real direction. I wasn't super passionate about one thing in particular. But I, I tried. I was I, I was a try. I tried a lot of different things, and I fell into to work. I was I was involved in sport from sixteen, and I played squash at for Surrey for for my county, and then fell into oh, wow. So I used to coach the local private schools around around the area, and that sort of progressed. I, I used to compete, and then I I actually needed to make a living, so I then ended up becoming a landscape gardener, and that went on for about a year or so, followed by. Then realizing that I fancied giving the stunt register a go, the UK stunt register, where I wanted to be a stuntman. So you have to actually complete six different disciplines within falling, fighting, riding or driving, et cetera. And I started training for that basically. Um, but because they're all, you have to get to the, the elite level of all these disciplines, you have to fund it yourself. And then I fell into painting to fund it. So I became a painter and decorator and worked for someone for probably a, a couple of years. And this is my early 20s. And then the guy that I worked for, Brendan, he shut his company down. We actually set up a company together, a painting company, where we painted luxury houses, big houses, big apartment blocks. And we had probably 10 or 15 guys working for us. So it was a growing business. It was a scaling business. But the one thing that it wasn't was was I wasn't passionate about that industry. I wasn't motivated or stimulated about painting and decorating, but it paid the bills. And I was earning fairly well, you know. But then then it sort of led on, and that's sort of what's, Sort of, um, turned into please cakes basically because I've always been passionate about food. I love food. I'm a foodie through and through. I love eating food. I love going out to food. I love creating with food. And then there's this, the, the other side of myself is is being creative. You know, I, I, I loved art and, and I loved that side of things. Mm-hmm. So I combined the two. You know, I, I love working with food. So I started experimenting, but I've got no formal training. So I've never, I've never been to catering college or done a cake decorating course, but I was brought up around good food. My dad's Italian and. One day in 2015, my dad attempted to make a cheesecake, and it wasn't great. It was a raspberry and white chocolate, I think, just for a Sunday dinner. Nothing, not for an occasion. I then proceeded to make a cheesecake, but as mentioned, I'm not professionally trained. So it was, it was I call it a moody cheesecake. It wasn't a great cheesecake, but people liked them. People liked it. And over that two-year period from 2015 to 2017, I would make these cheesecakes for friends and family for birthdays or occasions. And I would go to the supermarket and try out different ingredients, but because I was underskilled, I would make a lot of mistakes. So I would buy a cake tin, a springform cake tin, the metal base and the separate ring around the side. And because I couldn't get the metal base off the actual cake, I would send the cakes out and have to buy a new tin every single time I sent. It, I made a cake, so that wasn't wasn't a great start in terms of business efficiencies. But it progressed. You know, I started experimenting more. I used to bring samples on onto the building site for the boys to try, get feedback. Essentially, doing sub subconsciously doing market research, and then it got to a point in late 2016 where I thought, look, there were okay the cakes, but I thought I could make a bit of extra bit of extra money on the side of the painting company. And I, I I just didn't plan to create a business. It was just maybe I'd sell three or four cakes a month. That was the intention. There was no intention whatsoever to turn it into a business. So I set up an Instagram account. I downloaded the app Canva, and I designed a logo by myself. I had a notepad previously. And I just like jotting out like a bit of a direction on what I wanted to do. Like I'd sell large cakes. These are the flavors. A very, very sort of rough plan. Set up the Instagram account. And then on January the 3rd, on January the 6th, even one of my pals, who's got a quite a large following, Joe Wicks, as we'll probably speak about in a bit, gave me an unplanned shout out. So he saw that I would set up a page and he shared it onto his page with obviously many followers. And this was the, this is the, it was the oddest transition, an overnight transition. So one day I was painting, painting houses. The next I was decorating cakes and it was just this instantaneous transition from being a painter to, to making cakes. And, but it was very overwhelming. You know, we had 15,000 followers overnight. There was a demand. I had to get Nikki Wicks from Joe Wicks's brother to set up an, inst- uh, to set up an email account and a website, a Squarespace website. We had 50 orders in that, in that first week. So. Just, just and bearing in mind, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. Like I've never been, I've never run a cake decorating company. or run a food business. Let alone trying to scale it or, or trying to employ people or grow the company in any way, shape, or form. So it was a, ve- it was like really, 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 really sort of you're chucked into the deep, and uh, you need to figure out. And then, it, then failure proceeded. So like there was a ton of failures in that first year, plus a ton of incredible, exciting opportunities that arose. Through social media i saw i saw there was an opportunity on social media i saw that social media was an incredible tool for business and, and to market your product or service free of charge you know it was it's to pass the old school way of putting an ad out and spending money on advertising where you could use social media to market and then five years later we're still here things are growing and uh, i'm sure we will going to more detail now <laughs> well
1: i mean I, i've got so so many questions from from that i think for, well in no particular order you're definitely the first stuntman that we've had on the show. <laughs> and um didn't qualify Well, it. well we, nevertheless, uh, the first stuntman, a couple of weeks ago, we had an alpaca walker and we've had a puma walker as well, but we haven't had a stuntman. But no. I, I know that um, Carl's keen to ask you a question about about your social media explosion, I call it, and, and Joe Wick shortly. But I do, I do want to just ask quickly, what did it feel like? What did it really feel like going... With that explosion overnight, as soon as you had that in- endorsement from Joe, what did, what, how did you
0: feel? It was overwhelming. It, it, everything happened so quickly. So it, it was, I, I can't even remember what day it was. I think it was a Saturday. It was, it was like early evening. And it went, went out, he put it out on his channel. It was just instantaneous following. So the, you just saw the following just go up, 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 up. And it was, you, don't, you didn't have time to think as much. But And people, it sounds incredible. Like you get the shout and you get a ton of following. Mm-hmm. But in my situation, I didn't have a business plan. I didn't have a facility to make the So I didn't have anything in place, supply chain, packaging, health and safety accreditation, there's nothing in place. So it sounds good, but then I'm now exposed to a lot of people to make a lot of mistakes and that could be actually very detrimental to the brand and the company long-term. Do you know what I mean? So it was overwhelming. I took action I saw there was a demand. I saw there was an opportunity. By the six o'clock the next morning, I was in Starbucks on my phone with Brendan, and we were answering DMs and just taking action straight away. We bought a a four shelf domestic freezer, you know, like a stand up freezer, tiny. Mm -hmm. Turned up at Brendan's flat and said and told his wife, "Chuck chuck the freezer." And told his wife, "We're making cheesecake now." And then it was this, and then she was shocked. It was very overwhelming for our friends and family because it was just so instantaneous, and it was just it was just a shocking period of time. And and then we finally found a facility down in Croydon where it's a shared kitchen and um, with there's like nine companies within the same facility so then we started producing out of there and I start I made my first hire in within 2 weeks actually so yeah well that's that's in, uh, an incredible incredible story so um I really want to ask because I know listeners will be uh, keen to hear as well how did you make the journey to a CEO of an FMCG brand which now has over a million followers on TikTok you're endorsed by joe wicks and many others now listed in selfridges Amazon fresh uh, delivery and so many others do you ever stop creating and innovating well i made the journey obviously to that role because i started the company um, and i had that i had the sort of ultimate vision to grow into a global brand and i've I've definitely i've definitely learned self-awareness along the way and my strengths and weaknesses and i think By the the team I built really highlights that I'm I'm not, there's definitely areas that I'm stronger in and definitely areas that I'm weaker in. So for me, it was all about surrounding myself with the right people at the start to help me in in certain sectors. But ultimately I knew how to steer the ship, but I've learned along the way. And as you said, the innovation is what we're led with essentially. I think that's what set ourselves apart. We, We are, we are quality and innovation led, always thinking about it. Different type of product or different format you can eat or consume cheesecake in, which I have been reined in by my my investors and my my peers to just say slow down a little bit. Let's get one thing right first. But it's just constant. It's constant creativity. Luckily, because it's, it's my company, we, I've got that creative freedom. We can kind of do what we want here, and I really encourage that throughout the team is constantly thinking outside the box and different areas we can explore with the company. You know, we. We are probably a product based company, but we're also we're also a social media company, a digital marketing company. We're also now exploring the NFT section. We just literally signed today in that space as well. So we're always exploring different avenues in ways which we can grow the company and, and create have a positive effect on our community because that's what we we're, we're community led in, in terms of social media. We try and bring value um, through recipes, tutorials, inspiration, motivation, business tips and tricks. And really try and focus on 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 that sort of content that we put out across our platforms. I mean that
1: that leads us really nicely into into our next question. I mean, looking at Please Cakes, I mean, what would you say makes for a gold star partnership? So, for example, with Selfridges and Amazon
0: Fresh, and how do you go about creating them? So, I think the best way to have a or the, or the how I found the best partnerships to work is the similar mindsets. You know, we someone like Selfridges is are led by excellence and and reputation and quality and that's similar to us you know that's we've got that synergy with those brands and we try and work with that similar mindset in terms of creating these partnerships i always speak about it but it's i've, I've been very very lucky in terms of i built a social media following and a lot of it has come through social media exposure to buy in front of buyers and brands etc so tesco's dm'd us like which is unheard of really so it's, the opportunities that the social media has created is, is incredible. So a lot of our retail, a lot of the retailers that we speak to, we're we're speaking to the top five retailers, have all come through social media or seen our seen our stuff somewhere. Amazon was again was through a social media platform, LinkedIn. Um, the head buyer before it even launched, DM me. But in, in terms of in another in like another situation, I think utilizing social media can really enhance the chances of being seen. Yeah, that's really cool. And uh, again, so for all the budding entrepreneurs listening, what advice would you give to your younger self starting out? Um, so perhaps, you know, the do's and the don'ts of uh, entrepreneurship and, you know, growing and scaling a business. I think because it happened so differently for me, you know, I was, it was almost accidental. I didn't have a plan or like um, any structure in place. And I think looking back, that's one thing that I would um, probably change. I'd have a, a planning period in, in, in place, a business plan. I didn't have a business plan. I'd have like company values and a bit of a structured recruitment process. Although this is all kind of like hindsight sort of stuff, but I, feel, I've, I say it's a philosophy and it's a well-known philosophy. I, I really believe in it though. A great company is built on great people, you know? And at the start, when you, when you, when you start your journey, it's, it's an odd process because number one, you can't afford like top talent. And number two, you haven't really got the luxury of going through a lengthy recruitment process to, because you're so hands-on and doing so many different things, wearing so many hats and you're almost like, When can you start really? Whoever you are, you breathe in. Can you start basically? Yes. Um, Do you know what I mean? And that's a really, that's a, that is a hindsight process, but you can create simple structures that can help you long term. So having values, right? Even if it's personal values at the start, when you're hiring someone, do they align with your, your personal values? They don't even have to have company values because the company can change and adapt and, and over a period of time. But if they align with your personal values and are motivated and ambitious or whatever your values are, more than, more than likely that that person you'll be able to work with longer term. You know, luckily my first hire, Sam, who I who came who approached us two weeks in after launching her interview process was she came into the kitchen in Croy and stood at the end of the bench, the kitchen bench where we were making cakes. I didn't stop making cakes. I kind of just said, "When can you start? What mm-hmm. days can you do?" And she she said, "I can do three hours a day." And then I think the first day she started, she did nine hours a day, and that continued every single day, seven days a week for many. For she and she's still here now. She's now a shareholder and she is now director of operations. But that was a lucky one, you know. And and it, you, people come and go. But that recruitment process and building that, t- that that team is is so so important right at the start. If you can do it if you can build a great team from the start, you really are going to um, improve your chances of success. And also, like just strategy wise, I launched the company as a direct to consumer model, and then now I've realised that when you're a food brand and you your product's delicate, and it requires temperature-controlled distribution. It doesn't work as a direct-to-consumer model. So that's why we're now refocused, re-sort of pivoted the, the company into really focusing on scalable, less delicate products that can go into retail, travel, and food service sectors. You know, so strategy from the start would be key. But it's, it's a, again a hindsight one. You don't really know where where things are going that early on. There's a few things there that could probably help.
1: I think people sometimes talk about hindsight as like a not a negative thing and not that in the slightest. But hindsight wouldn't come unless you've actually tried to do something in the first place. And it's the trying to do something in the first place, and as you say, you know, failing, which is another word for learning, by the way, is how you grow. So
0: I don't think if I had launched with retail products, I like freeze cakes in a tub, it would have got as much engagement or built community right from the start. I I launched with these elaborate, big, very, very Instagram Instagrammable visual cakes. That's what people sort of bought into right from the start. And I think if I'd led with with some of the products that we're doing now, it wouldn't have got as much engagement. So, yeah, like you say, you have to try things. And, and it actually, it's probably the, the, the right process to do. But now we are making those changes.
1: I think that's, that's another, and again, we could talk for ages about this, that entrepreneurs, you know, we're all pretty creative. We've all got lots of ideas and investors like to try and rein us in and all sorts of things. But we shouldn't be reined in too much because otherwise that would stop the creativity. And in, in your case, by launching with, dare I call it the anchor product, which had so much, you know, excitement around it, maybe if, if you'd have had, uh, if you'd have been, had investors around at, at that point, they might have said, well, actually, I think there's a bigger opportunity in the frozen category and that would have, you wouldn't have grown as fast. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That
0: I think it's, it's a hard one to sort of but like i think yeah we it really grew our community having those sort of direct consumer products those elaborate cakes that um really got people excited about the brand and now then when we bring our these other products out for retail people are now recognized the, the brand the police cake brand what we're about and and hopefully that will really sort of translate into into the growth into these other sectors that we want to go into
1: Coming back onto onto teams and cultures because this is an area of, of passion of ours as well. I mean, what are your well, having created please cakes from literally nothing, where you had um, Sam at the end of the of the, of the counter interviewing her while you were making cheesecake, which I think was absolutely remarkable. Yes. What are your top tips? And you have touched on this, but can I ask, him, what what are your top tips when it comes to creating high performing teams and winning cultures?
0: It's actually really interesting because I'm actually tried, I'm just in the process of writing an article around it because it, I've experienced sort of this process in terms of hiring the people, basically people are probably the most complex part of the business Yes, that you, you, you just, you never know long term, like everyone's got a different personality. Everyone could be having a bad day. Everyone, their backgrounds, their upbringings, their work ethic, there's so many sort of components that they can bring into the workplace that can determine if the culture is good or bad. And it goes back to that alignment of, of company values and the process when you do recruit. And when you're startup, you just hire. And it's really like I've experienced that and I have made some hires that are, this is the thing. So like sometimes you make hires and you don't realize you think they're a great fit for the company, but they've only got a finite window that fit with the company before the company pivots and they don't align with the values again. Yep. And that's a really sort of complex situation to be in because the employee becomes unstimulated and the, it can become unproductive for the company. And it's, it's a fine line. It's a really sort of gray area. So it's all about getting it right from the start and building that team. And essentially, if, if someone or a hire or potential employee is aligned with those values that you've really sort of gone into and, and worked out and not created these values that are fluffy or, or fake, they really do sort of align with your purpose and passion then ultimately you should be on the right course to create a, a winning team and a winning culture and culture is everything you know it's a, it's a big sort of a uh, area that, that people discuss a lot and i think also like you get as i touched on you sometimes hire those people that have only got a finite window within the company and then they get they get unstimulated and then and then it can create what people call what people sort of um, relate to a toxic culture and, and it's actually not a toxic culture it's it's actually a, just a, a moment in time where the company and the founder, or the CEO, or the team, whoever is in charge, has to realise that there's there's a direction and 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 change that needs to be made to encourage a positive culture. It's really hard to get right. It's, it's really it's a really interesting area for me as well because yes, I've, I've managed people in the in the painting industry, but that's a completely different culture. When you're on a building site, anything goes really. But when you're in a growing, scaling company in the public eye, it becomes much more structured. And and there's many things that have to be adhered to you know so and then and it's and it's the, the wellness of people within the workplace under your leadership so it's a, it's a great it's a, it's a massive responsibility you know
1: oh I, I think it's the well out of many things that would keep me up at night it, it, it's the team would be the top of that list i mean i think it also goes back to what you said at the start which is you know surround yourself with people that can do stuff that you, you didn't quite like this but effectively it's surround yourself by people with people that can do stuff you can't do or don't want to do so you can focus on the stuff which you're passionate about which you love and which is your area of strength but you have other people around who can do the stuff which either you can't do or don't want to do or, or, or simply enjoy more
0: yeah absolutely so, uh, it's, it's sort of they say that if you're in a room where you, you're the cleverest person or then you're in the wrong room you know so yeah it's all about surrounding people that are better than you and most of my team well all of my team are better than me at something you know what i mean then that, that's what it's about i've just got the vision the passion and and like built skill i suppose i think i've I've learned how to do things along the way better. I use social media. I've got an eye for probably photography now, and and connecting with people through social media. I think that's just learned. I've I've learned that along the way. Like ultimately, I'm an introvert. I'm not naturally an, a, a public speaker. I'm not naturally good on camera. But hmm. I, because I saw that, I saw the social media opportunity. I just put myself out there. I did it all the time, and I I learned how to do it. You know, and it becomes more. It's, it's repetition. I just, I ca- carried on doing it because I knew it would benefit the company ultimately. And I think that's something we touch on in social media. You don't have to be polished. You don't have to be scripted. It's actually nice when you see there's that something that's actually relatable when someone mumbles or stutters or, or yeah. does something wrong or messes up. It's actually like, you're a real person. Do mm. yes. you know what I mean? And that's really important. I think that we, we talk about as well because it's social media is completely changing now as well. It's not, people don't want like edited, filtered stuff. They want real relatable stuff, real relatable content that they can um, digest, you know. And I think that's that and that, that's showing because TikTok's very much like that. But Instagram still, they haven't really, they're not switched on to that at the moment.
1: I mean, that makes so much sense. I hadn't really thought of it like that. But the more relatable and real something is, the, the deeper the engagement that's going to be created because you can simply relate to it more. I hadn't thought
0: of it like that. Oh, yeah. It's a massive thing. I think it's, it's a very important thing, I think. And through social media, you've got to bring value through social media. It's really important. You've got to bring something to you. It's got to be a two-way street. I also think you make some really, really good points there. Okay, so just to round us off, one last question for you. So what does the future hold for businesses when it comes to creating partnerships with each other? So what, if anything, will you and Please Cakes be doing sort of differently in the future? In terms of partnerships, I think I'll continue to work with like-minded brands and companies, I think that we we haven't wavered off that at all. I think we want to be aligned with, with companies that are passionate, are quality-led, are looking at sustainability and things like that. But the, yeah, so in terms of like the future of police cakes, we, we're really trying to ex- expand across the UK into retail, food service, um, and the travel industry. I think there's great opportunity, but I also think there's great opportunity outside of the UK, which we're really excited about. We've got a lot of interest from the UAE and, and the USA. So we've got a busy a busy couple of years.
1: Well, based on what you've achieved and continue to achieve in a remarkably short period of time, we can't wait to continue to watch your global growth. And I am going to say global growth. But Joe Morizzi from C- CEO of Please Cakes, thank you so very much for joining us. Thank
0: you. Thanks for having me. It's pleasure. Much. Take care. Bye now. joining this week's Game Set Matchup. Tune in to hear more about the need-to-knows and the do's and don'ts when it comes to creating successful business partnerships.